So, you know, when we started this whole thing, uh, we were actually recording on March 23. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Uh, this is Jimmy Eat Pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, hit me with yours. No, I didn't have one. That's good. I want that one. <laughs> I want that one. It's late. <laughs> Let's fucking jump All into right, it, man. Um, okay, here this we are. Is, um, this uh, is actually the second big, would you say this is the second big ending track that we've done? Uh, the last one being, I think it was Dizzy, right? Dizzy, right? Yeah. yeah so this is the, this is, but I, I would say that 23 is the most, um, uh, mentioned noteworthy Jimmy Eat, Eat World track that uh, that is hailed as one of their closing big numbers, right? It's ubiquitous, yeah. yeah. I I mean, they don't close they they close an right, album with yeah. it, but they don't close right. their shows right. with it. Um, and they don't play it. So, they, and which I, I appreciate. Do you have, yeah. Did you have Do you have the numbers up for twenty three and and how often they play that one live? I know that it's not. I sure okay. do. And it's not as often as I thought. I have seen it live, which is cool because you can hear that. Um, I don't know if it's Jim or Tom that plays the the guitar intro on that, but you know they'll come out off of a big song and then just hear that do 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 key. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, I have a couple of live videos queued up. I'm gonna take a guess, and then we'll play those live videos right. later. I'm gonna take a guess that. Um, Jimmy Eat World. Let's see. Uh, uh, I would bet that Tom plays the lower part and Jim plays the twinkly, the twinkly high dee. notes that that go gotcha. on top of it. But uh, I don't know. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Um, they played it 493 times. Uh, the most they ever played it was 69 times in 2011, and most recently 2017, 2018. Uh, no, 2019 they played it 43 times Wow I stand corrected so. It's a lot more than I thought I didn't think it was that much Yeah yeah. Uh, most recently they played it in Syracuse, New York On December 3rd of 2019 um, And uh, was that the last Jimmy Eat World show? Uh, Did you say December That they played 23rd? live before December th- Oh <laughs> December oh, no, no, 3rd I didn't even think of that One that's Twelve, three, one, two, three. So they put, they took a. So if that was de- December third, was around the time um, you said that it could have been their last one. They've been off since. Well, I guess I have them playing. Oh, they played December seventh at K Rock. Almost Acoustic Christmas right. was their last okay. live show before they uh, went on break. Um, and now here we are. We're all stuck at home. Right. Um, that's why. That's why we can pod on a Monday night at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um. Because what what even is time? I know, right? Um, and you know what? I'll get I'll get uh, <laughs> I'll get sleep the other night, <laughs> whatever whatever night is yeah, next. The night, yeah. Um, so there was a tour announcement that we didn't even talk about on the show, and now uh, uh, who knows what's going to happen with that tour? Uh, most of it, the 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 chain fest got delayed to October, and uh, um, a bunch of all their My Chemical Romance dates got canceled and or postponed but and i Australia haven't seen this postponed. yet I, because i was out in the in the bush um i didn't really have access to internet where i was but you had said that they did a live show in their studio and i, I saw a lot of mentions of their studio where did they mention where that studio is isn't that studio two or what what is it called um i think it's called studio two is it in is or, it in tempe uh, 
It's in Tempe, okay. yeah. Tempe 3. Um, uh, but yeah, it was Jim solo acoustic with uh, uh, Zach operating the camera, um, getting in there uh, during the middle, during the solo of the middle. Um, did not play 23. Would have been cool to talk about. Um, but, but it was a uh, short set, yeah. right? Short set, five songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah I miss it. I still haven't even seen it. I'm only just now getting back. Oh, watch I the know. YouTube rip because the Facebook rip was only like 360p at the time. And so the YouTube uh, version is nice. Looks good. Sounds good. Um, and I've watched that. And then we've been watching a lot of Ben Gibbard, 4 p.m. every day. Uh, for two weeks, he's going to be doing songs and on Sundays he's doing covers so I'm trying to get him to convince him to do a Jimmy World song but he did do Phoebe Bridgers uh this past Sunday which was amazing and they're archived on YouTube so everybody how can long, go check how those out of uh, uh, 45 minutes That's to an hour good. um yeah, yeah yeah Chris Martin did one and barely played like parts of songs and mostly just joked around which was fun to watch uh John Legend did one it was great he played for about 45 minutes um uh Lots of people are doing them. Uh, those are the ones that I've watched. And then our local library has story time for the kids on Wednesdays. Um, so Miss Lauren uh, from LA Public Library reads to that's the kids. So and that's fun because Wes knows her. So and uh, yeah, man, it's kind of a it, it, there's some cool stuff coming out of it. Yeah. And um, uh, lots of weirdness. Yeah, there is a lot um, of strangeness. Um yeah. emanating from this whole thing and and we've changed our schedule around and i think it's really difficult for the kids because they have um it, it they don't understand why these things are changing and and maybe west doesn't understand why he's maybe he does yeah he's four so he like really misses yeah. his friends he misses his teachers uh it's tough and uh you know we don't have a lot of the other parents contact info so it's not like we can right. just facetime with his friends from school we have other friends that he has um, outside of school that we can FaceTime with, but it's a, a definite big shift for him. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of a turning point, um, that's actually how I feel this song. Um, looking at it lyrically, we come off of the last song that we did where we talked about that entire track being so full of lyrics, man. If you don't, don't was almost like a story written out yeah. and Put to song. This one is actually much shorter than I had originally thought. I think it's just the the instrumental part of it that really draws it out to six and a half minutes. Right. Yeah. And actually, it's seven minutes and twenty three seconds, which that can't be a mistake. Oh yeah, I did not. I didn't even catch that. I just thought it was over. Yeah. Uh, I looked at a lot of the um, <clears throat> the covers, and a lot of those were between five and a half, six and a half minutes. So. You know, clearly they're not doing the the little outro, but right, yeah. But yeah, lyrically, yeah. with this song, and even the intro, you could. Cut oh yeah, down. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so lyrically, um, you know, going through this thing, this thing line by line, it's the first verses. I felt for sure last night that once we said goodbye, no one else will know these lonely dreams. It's such a sad little um, walk through those lyrics. Because it just sounds like this is, he's starting this song off with saying, um, you know what, it, this isn't working out, this is goodbye. Um, and then it makes it even more realistic by saying, I'm still driving away, I'm sorry every day. Where, you know, let's just say that people in their past have gone through some sort of relationship, even if it's, 
you know, that puppy love where you're, you're interested in somebody and maybe they're just friendly with you, but they never take you to that point where you, you're, you could label yourselves boyfriend and girlfriend. You remember that when you were in elementary school, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally, totally. Uh, her, her boyfriend. Uh, you don't ever get to that point and you're just sort of sad about that. The thought that what could have been is, is not. And, and, and now you're just sort of uh, sitting there thinking about what could have been, what, what, what never was what you had. And, and just, I don't know. That's what I get from this is that this entire first verse is um, I won't always love these selfish things. I won't always live not stopping. Um, Just kind of feeling a little bit of regret that they never got to experience what could have been. Yeah. And uh, but but really, let's say let's say if you read all of the the verse, both verses, the chorus, uh, you could really look at this as a relationship. But I personally look at this song more of um, 23 being a turning point in people's lives, the actual age of 23. I don't know why I had this number. And it may have been because I wasn't so interested in Jimmy World at the time. But I remember my stepdad saying, you know, in your early 20s, that's when you're going to grow up and find yourself. Uh, you're going to realize who you are as a person in those formative years. And so I take this more as... Um, the, the point when somebody realizes they're going to be changing and to accept those changes and move on from holding on to things that maybe they realize that aren't realistic or uh, are um, just things that that maybe their younger self were hold, was holding on to. And that's what this whole song to me is about is that they've hit that point. They're, they've uh, by verse three when they say amazing still it seems I'll be 23. I won't always love what I'll never have. I won't always live in my regrets, which is kind of what that very first verse says. But that's the moment of acceptance where they say, I'm moving on. Mm. This is my time to grow into a person and I've got to leave some of my life behind. Yeah, interesting. I love that line. Amazing. Still, it seems that's like, again, I always go back to it. You close your hands, you close your eyes and kiss your hand and you blow it. Um, I don't know. Just amazing. Still, it seems I'll be 23 is such a rad turn of phrase right and it's probably because the way that that is phrased um because it 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 would be amazing comma still comma it seems right so they've got that little parenthetical in there and that's how he chooses to to say it as as opposed to still it seems amazing or it seems amazing still you know no it doesn't work that way it's amazing still it seems (laughs) i'll be 20 well it's almost like uh, all of this emotion he feels and he's only 23. He's only turning 23. Yeah. In a way. You know what I so mean? Do you think it's more about um, love but it is like, than, or or do you think it's more about personality and, and moving on? I suppose it could be um I suppose it can be in more introspective than that. Yeah. Um the chorus is more introspective, it seems. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You go from that first verse and then the chorus, um, that's definitely um, introspective because he's asking the questions there, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll sit alone forever if you wait for the right time. What are you hoping for? Almost like he's not trying to press his experience on this person, but he is giving some advice and saying, well, you know, if you stick in this, I've I've already moved on. I've hit puberty and I can realize that I can grow a mustache now. You know, it's like that sort of situation <laughs> where they they've um they've reached that that pinnacle, that moment where they can say, 
wow, I'm I'm stepping out of outside of my body. I'm looking down on me and I realize that I've hit that next stage in my life where I've got to be a big boy. I've got to, you know, I'm done with college. I've got to move on to my career, all that stuff. So they're imploring that other person that's in this in this song just to um you know what are you what are you what are you hoping for by just sitting around living this sedentary life right uh, i'm trying to figure out the one thing that stays mine what is the one thing the end well, no yeah i would say go to the line before that if you have to i, I would say right. look at, don't, don't give, give away, away the, the end, end the one thing that stays mine um so is it uh don't give away the end because uh discovery of that ending is exactly. mine that's what i would or, say is that they've realized right. that they, they they've hit another stage in their life but don't tell me where i'm going to end up because i i'm excited to know that that part mm. one of my life where i've grown up as a teenager and moved into whatever it is if it's if it's adult life they're starting that out but don't tell me where i'm gonna sure end. that's how i read that line and that line comes up a lot in the in the community portion of this that did um that portion or that those two lines came up as either mm. poignant or just memorable for some people that, with this song. Sure. Let's go back real quick to Amazing Still It Seems I'll Be 23. On Genius, there's four contributors, but the number one is Quintus Antonius. Um, I guess Jethead94 created this six years mm. ago, um, but Quintus Antonius uh, got the most upvotes or so. I don't understand how yeah. this works. Um um, but it says Jim must have either wrote this line much earlier in his career or he wasn't writing about himself. He was almost 29 when the song was released. Given that this was later in his career, it could mean that he'll always feel like he did at 23 when the events described happen. People age, but science has shown our brain chemistry largely stops maturing Excuse me, around 23. So it isn't uncommon for many people to still feel and identify with who they were in their mid-20s. Um, so I think, like you did say, um, this person, it's a turning point for them. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be 23. I always just had, in my mind, my my early 20s, and there was a lot. So 23 for me was 2006, and I know there was a lot going on for me with living situation, relationships. Mm-hmm. So it was a really formative time in my life. Uh yeah, same with me. Yeah, 2007, and I was in a I was in a really bad car accident in 2006. Um, 2000, yeah, 2007, yeah, that was a trip. Yeah, and there's, I, <laughs> I don't remember and, a lot know, of 2007. I, I imagine that everyone has different brackets of time that they remember, but I do recall uh, my early 20s being um, pretty memorable for me. I, I can't remember what I did in my late 20s. Um, I know that that's mm-hmm. around the time that I got married. So after that, it's like my 30s is is essentially a family and uh, being exactly. a dad. So that, but before, before all of this, you know, it's like 23 was the time when I was just finishing up at CSUN. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. It just feel, it felt like I was, I, I was just kind of wrapping up all of the educational portion of my life and then moving into the career. And that's what was the, the big change for me. Uh, you, you get a lot of different freedoms, you know, between where you're living, um, who, you know, and that's what I felt was different about me at that point in my life. But I totally get what, um. Oh, what is this? Where does it say who's saying this? Um, I can't even see it. Whoever you had just said, it just says genius annotations for contributors. Oh, yeah. Quintus Antonius. I have to expand that. What they were saying, that makes total sense, is that, 
you, the brain chemistry largely stops maturing around 23. I get that. You know, I was definitely um, off the charts as as far as growing as a person. I was just like, you think about stupid things you did when you're 21, 22. Um, not saying that that ever goes away, but I just remember that I was such an idiot, you know, marching up to 23 to 24 years old. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're graduating college. You think you know oh, it yeah. all. I didn't walk in 2006. I walked in 2007. So when I was 23, yeah. though, <laughs> um, but I think I was 22 turning 23 because I would have turned 23 that October and I walked in June. So um, these are very important details that the listeners mm-hmm. need yeah. to know. So coming <laughs> off of that um, verse, which is a very, a very notable or noteworthy verse, right? Amazing still, it seems I'll be 23. I won't always love what I'll never have. I won't always live in my regrets. And then it goes into the chorus where this one's also annotated, right? And this one has two contributors. This is also Narlington, Texas. 99% have no idea again how the oh, whatever that, that means. Yeah, attributed. <laughs> but um, I'll just read the quote from Jim that he had said. Um, and he's talking about surviving, but this is sort of like a theme around their right. music. For some reason, I think we're much more likely to try to rationalize and justify our unhappiness instead of looking at what might be behind that and taking action. It's really, it's a really strange trick. Your ego, for lack of a better word, plays on you. And then I think that just kind of, it, it's it's a little ambiguous, but but what he's saying is that um, your mind does rationalization. You know, you rationalize and justify your unhappiness, yeah. and then you you sit in a spot and say, "Well, this is where I'm supposed to be." Uh, but really, what this song is saying is just if it if it's not a song about realization in your formative years, it's it's about just not being. It's the word I'm looking for. It's a big theme, though, in Jimmy World's music. I would say that this is definitely a theme that they hit upon a lot. Looking at yourself and picking yourself up by your bootstraps and and convincing yourself to get out of that justification phase, yeah. right? Um, I, you know what? I found he's the talking it's to not himself. Being complacent with mm. with where you're at if you're in a bad place, and I know complacency can be fine if you're if you're in a very happy place. But what they're saying is that if you, if you find yourself in a in a in a place where you, it could be better, then don't be complacent with that and and try something different if you if you can, right? And they go on so. Going back to that last chorus, now I I haven't listened to the song in a minute, but uh, is it after the chorus that they do the long? Uh, yeah, is is that is the musical break between verse three and the chorus, or is it after the chorus? After the chorus, and then they hit the chorus again. That's it. So it just doesn't have it yeah. as a chorus again, but it does. Uh, there's a break in between there. Oh, and I had a question about this. So you had mentioned uh, before, uh, I don't know if it was Mark Trombino. In this one, it's Gil Norton producing this. Correct. Can you hear... On the released version. Now, can you hear Jim's harmonies in this? Is it him being harmonized with himself? You know, I know that... um, The low harmony? No, Robin Robin does most of the harmonies now. But in this, does it sound like they've stacked Jim's voice for the harmonies... I always assume they okay. did. Do you have it queued no, up? Um, and it's oh. toward the end. Like right. at the end be, yeah. part, though? Let me see if I can get that up. Um, and I'll see. Do I even have music open? I do. So let me see. I'll go to 23, and then I'll I'll just clip this down toward the end. Right? You said I love you. 
So the it's the same. It might be the same note, but it's his voice. But I did hear on that first part of "You'll Sit Alone uh, Forever." There was a lower part that you were talking about that you can definitely yeah. hear in there. Yeah, that's like a low energy, just sort of melody. Yeah. That's it's like the baseline of vocal right. parts. Like right, yeah, <laughs> it's the root note. Exactly. Yeah. Um, totally. Uh, now, one uh, thing I, I didn't then, also uh, mention was that this was talking about numbers. This was actually for song meanings comments. This was in third place uh, for all, of, for all Jimmy Eat World songs. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's 231 comments. Mm-hmm. Um, number one of which, I mean, OK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the number one top comment with eight upvotes, highest rated, is hands down the best Jimmy Eat World song ever. It's fantastic. From Miss Tar, Miss Tar, nineteen eighty one. I mean, okay, it's interesting. They commented this like a month after the album had come out. Yeah, <laughs> but not really, um, not really support or helpful in this, right? No, actually, it was a month before the album came out. They said that so. Uh, was this a pre-release yeah. single? So, and then did you read through Link Sand's comment? Uh, no, it was yeah, too long. I thought, and I thought did you? Word, they they chose too much, uh, too many large words to describe this. <laughs> that and let me just people say, love five dollar words maybe on for song lack meetings. of energy or some form of cognitive dissonance. But it's a beautiful, it, but it's beautiful because it really shows that there was a time to give it all one should. That carpe diem seize the day is not just about some physical conquest. By then, I've already checked out. It's kind of like, yeah, man, I just don't care. I want to use cognitive dissonance in something because I was watching the fire. One of the I watched both fire documentaries in the last two days, um, fire festival documentaries, because I hadn't seen them. And uh, some guy was saying something like he was like, oh, I went I'd been to jail, but then. Like all this stuff and cognitive dissonance. I was like, fuck, this dude's using cognitive dis- dissonance. And I don't think I would ever use that like properly in my daily life. Yeah. And then I thought I was thinking like, oh, did he learn that in jail? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think I, I wouldn't use it because I'd come off as a I'd feel like a little pompous trying to use those words. People would be more concerned yeah. with the word that I've used. They'd look at me and go, oh, one of those ten dollar words, huh? Yeah. Link Sand probably loves Linux. <laughs> <laughs> they could. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the next one, which was Amy Claire, I actually read through hers, which was even longer. Um, but she did sort of a play by play of each verse and um mm. and, and they go on to say, um hers was um uh, this is this is the ba- basically what she had said. I feel that it's about wanting someone so badly but not being able to tell them because they don't have the courage and they aren't sure how the other person feels. So I'm the opposite camp. I'm thinking that this is a song that's more about um, personal realization and uh, and coming to that next stage in your life. So, <clears throat> sure, yeah. Uh, another um. thing I wanted to mention: What do you get when I say nobody likes you? When you're 23. <laughs> <laughs> when you're 23. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, uh, yeah, man. Uh, bands love to sing about the number 23. Yeah, uh, what is at it? At least Jimmy Eat World does because they have 122395. 
Um, and uh, and Blink-182 uh, sings about it in What's My Age Again. Um, and those are the examples I'm going to get. Does Weezer have a 23 song? Um, no, not that I can think of. You know what? I'm going to go back because I had, I had, so I'd sent my notes. So I broke my arm last week. Uh, so David, who was going to guest on the show, uh, I was like, can he just do the whole show? Because uh, my arm is terrible. And then I had the COVID. I did not have the COVID. I had a really bad cold <laughs> though. Um, I just was like wrecked. Um, but I did send in my notes and there's a couple things that didn't make it. One of which was, uh, you guys had talked about Casey Moore's cause that's the, um, the oyster bar, the pub on ninth and Ash in Tempe yeah. or in Mesa. Um, and it made me wonder, do you think Casey Moore's, this is such a tangent, but we're talking about blink One Two. Um, do you think Casey Moore's is like the sombrero of Jimmy Eat World? Because if you go to the Yelp page for Casey Moore's and search Jimmy Eat World, plenty of reviews come up specifically talking about Jimmy Eat World. Um, here's one uh, from 2009. Um Uh, I don't know what else to add from all the other positive reviews. This place is the shining star of Tempe bars being an old house hidden off of Ash Street. And then they get points for being in Jimmy Eat World song as the place to meet on a Tuesday night. Um, And then that was from Stephanie K. And then Jason M. in 2009 says, ask for Jimmy and you'll see what I mean. Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, In 2007, Kelly W. says, uh, oh, and this is, I think uh, somebody touched on this um jimmy world frontman jim adkins even name dropped the ninth and ash haunt on the band's track if you don't don't oh i thought uh somebody was i thought this might have been where somebody had said that they used to play open mics there um here rachel c in 2017 the ambiance is so fun and made even more so if you know the band jimmy world they used to play back here it goes they used to play here back in the day and even mention a restaurant on ninth and ash on a tuesday night um and uh okay there's only one more um uh 2009 from jane l where does she talk about jimmy eat world uh i'm gonna scroll down here we go um but i really oh this was a bad one um but i really like this place and still have uh casey's nights even though jimmy eat world sucks and i live in phoenix so casey's nights must either be a thing or have been a thing at the bar um, in 2009. So anyway, um, with this tour that supposedly for now wraps up, uh, in Phoenix, um, we are trying to get together some people from the discord server and from really, that's the only place I've talked to people on the discord server to meet up at Casey Moore's after the show, which would be a lot of fun, I think. Um, so anyway, all of that is to say, does Weezer have a sombrero? Like, do they have a Casey Moore's? Is there a restaurant you could go to and be like, oh, this is like the place? Um, no, nothing off the top of my head. There's nothing I can think of that they where they mention any kind of, um, you know, burritos at Sombrero or Casey Moore's. Nothing like that in a song. Yeah. That I always think of uh, when uh, when Back to the Shack came out, which I think is an absolute banger. And I think people most people don't like that song. Um, but I think it's great. Um, you think they're talking when about he shack? says the shack? <laughs> no, not Shake Shack, but on Jefferson, where Jefferson ends um, and uh, lands on uh, PCH uh, 
in Playa del Rey. That's where I grew up, essentially. Um, and there's a restaurant there called The Shack. And I always thought of that when that song had come out. So then when I asked myself the question, does Weezer have a Casey Moore's? Do they have a sombrero? I was like, oh, maybe The Shack. But I have no idea. That's probably not The Shack they're singing about in that song. So I don't know. Yeah, there's nothing that they have distinctly mentioned in any of their songs that I can think of uh, right now where, you know, that's it, that's the, uh, the sombrero or mm. uh, Casey's. And they don't sing about 23. No, I checked. I've double checked. They just have the only thing that comes up for 23 are some release dates or posts um, that other people right, put in. Right, 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 right. Oh, okay. Um, well, on top of that, uh, yes, Blink 182 says nobody likes you when you're 23, um, which is also probably true because, like you said, yeah. we're all very oh, arrogant yeah. and think that. I was an idiot. We know it all. We just graduated college and. Uh, yeah, we probably think everyone loves us, but the fact is that nobody likes you for when you're 23. Was there? Any, I mean, I am down to wax poetic about Blink-182, even if it's about what's my age again. Um, was there anything else you wanted to chat about? Oh, no, no, because uh, I, I don't okay. know when I was when I started my research um, earlier this week, and uh, I don't know why I had stuck in my head, nobody likes you when you're 23. Uh, but right. then I had... It, it, and. I just couldn't picture what song that was again. <laughs> but which oh, is here, what's here, my here, age again? Oh, right. What's my age again? Yeah. So here's here's a question. And uh, as a um, uh, the beginning of the song, first verse, I took her out. It was a Friday night. Next line. You go. I wore cologne. There you yeah. go. Okay. You know the words yes. are I wore cologne. Lots of people think I walk alone is a. Uh, well, the first time I heard it, I think I thought it was I Walk Alone. But sure, yeah. But then um, you start to think about, you, when you think of the lyrics as a whole, and you realize, nah, he's not saying I walk alone. Right. He's like, I work alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Couldn't tell you what the next so one yeah. is. Um, to get the feeling yes, right. Yes, that's it. The reason one would wear cologne. Yes. No one walks alone right. to get the feeling right, unless it's a, a euphemism for uh, masturbation. <laughs> yeah. To walk alone. <laughs> Um, but they'd already made that joke on Dude Ranch. So um, anyway, back to Jimmy okay. Eat World. So you know that um, I didn't know. Did you Did you ever watch One Tree Hill? No. Me neither. Should no, I? No, no, did no. You? Oh, okay. And I didn't either. Uh, I think that's one of those shows where someone else can chime in and, and, uh, and explain where I'm wrong. But when I think of One Tree Hill, I think of Dawson's Creek and what's the yeah, it's like not quite Dawson's Yeah, Creek, and what was right? the other one? Seventh it's Heaven. It's not quite the OCE was a big yeah, one. Yeah, kind of like that in that. I never got into that. Addison was really into the OCE, I feel like, for yeah, a little bit. Maybe he can come in and, and chime <laughs> in on this. Um, it did show up. Yeah. So 23 did show up. Um, it's on YouTube. It's in two parts, which is strange. Maybe, they, I don't know. I can't imagine that they would cut. Like two different episodes? Well, no, it's an ending. It's a six-minute ending to One Tree Hill, I think, season two. Uh, but it was placed in two parts on YouTube, and I couldn't find one that was complete, mm. where it just it just played all the way through. So it essentially plays oh, interesting. The, whole the song. Pirate Bay isn't working for me right now, but I should download this episode. <laughs> yeah, so it's episode two ten. Yeah, and it's the end of the episode, part one and part two. Yeah, same same person uploaded it. I don't know why they they did it in two parts, but I couldn't find it complete, and I couldn't find the entire episode. Online, you know, outside of downloading it as a, uh, but they play the song on the yeah. show. Uh, here, let me let me play a, a little bit of this because maybe this might ring uh, bring up some memories for some of our listeners here. 
It sounds pitched up. So I think what's happening now is there's a lot, if you were to watch this entire okay. show, there's a lot of things going you on right go. now. Do I have to? Felix. Are there a lot well, of you know, like dissolves different timelines converging? Can I just say what I try oh, to say? Oh, tight, yeah. I really wish I want to be with you. See, I want to be with you. I have no idea. I know it was wrong to lie to you about taking me home after trick. Professor is When you looked at me the way you did, it felt so good to be looked at like that again. Like you saw the real me. You liked what you saw. Pretty cool though to hear a Jimmy Wolf song. Can't do this to this, me. Right? Yeah, dude. So One Tree Hill. I uh, are there actors from the show that I would know yeah, now? I don't even know. I, let me look this up. If, oh, okay. If I can get this quick enough on IMDb. Let's see if there's. Uh, I bet like Peter Gallagher is probably on One Tree Hill. Let me see. But he's like an older actor. So we've got going from the top. Bethany Joy Lenz. Nope. Sophia Bush. Nope. I, that's a name right. I know. To James Lafferty, Lee Norris, Paul Johansson. Oh, Chad Michael Murray. Oh, Chad Michael yeah. Murray. That's a name yes. I know. I don't know who that is. Uh, nothing, no one else really looks. And Moira Kelly, she is. Oh, that's a name you, I know. You know where she's from? No. She is from Topic. Cutting Edge. What? Cutting Edge. I don't know. Never that saw is. that? So my daughter fell no. in love with that movie. Um, it's it's the, 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 the story of the. Uh, the hockey player that gets injured and can't play hockey anymore. Oh, that sounds like a yeah. thing. Yeah. So she plays um, Kate Mosley in that. Definitely. I see. So she like, must be yeah. one of the moms in there. I'm like trying to quickly scroll through here to see if there's anybody else of note. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm down in like very special. Go- oh, Joe Magnanello was on an episode at least. The series. Um, oh, I only know him from Pee Wee's Holiday. Oh gosh! <laughs> Do you, did you watch that? Yeah, I've seen all the Pee Wee's, man. Yeah, Pee Wee's Holiday is so good. He's like, "Hi, Joe Manana." <laughs> it's good. There's this guy that looks like David Lynch. That's not. That would be great if David Lynch was on One Tree Hill. Oh, Evan Peters from uh, American Horror Story is on One Tree Hill. At least an episode. Is this a Ryan Murphy show? Um, I don't know. I don't like Ryan Murphy shows. Storyline though is mostly because they start so strong and then they end so 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 poorly every time. Um, anyway, there it is. Yeah, so um, the hour long episodes. Tight. Um, that's too long. Yeah, looks like it uh, takes place in North Carolina, but didn't sound like anyone oh. had any accents. So <laughs> anyway, so what's a North Carolinian up, accent? Twenty three shows up in there, and that that episode I don't even know when that was. Um, if it was season two, it was 2004, which was... Oh, that yeah, was right, right when the album, album came out. Came out. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Um, let's see. When did the number 23 come out? 2007. Did, oh, was, was the song Jim on the Carey? soundtrack? That was oh Jim Carrey. I remember seeing it. I saw it at Universal City Walk um, with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was such a strange film. Uh, I remember being okay with it. Yeah. Um, I wonder what's on the soundtrack. That was also. Let's see if this is on the soundtrack. uh, This had to be after his other film that was more serious, right? So he had done Uh, Eternal. Yes. Yeah. Sunshine. Sunshine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just getting the number twenty three. That that whole uh, concept that Jim Carrey can do uh, serious stuff really well. No, they. uh, Although looking at the soundtrack, it looks like it's like score tracks. Yeah. Um. As opposed to like songs, I think yeah. By two thousand seven, they weren't doing like 
Like, I remember I loved the Scream soundtrack and the Scream 2 soundtrack and the I Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack. I used to get movie soundtracks all the time. Yeah. Um, now, not so much. <laughs> oh, man. Do you remember um, in Reason 346 when we talked about angel numbers? Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't do that with like 555 and 17. Let's get back to Apparently, that. Tell me about the number 23. 23 is probably still so an much. angel number. So this is check this out. So angel number 23 is a message from your angels encouraging you to believe in yourself and the quality of your natural abilities. Angel number 23 means that your guardian angels and the ascended masters are supporting you in your endeavors. Man, tight. Isn't that totally fallen line? I feel supported. You know why? I'm a 23. My birthday is on October 23rd. You're an angel. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> and then uh, the first guy, the guy that I interned with that gave me my first job in the business um, he was obsessed with the number 23 and even like made sure our office number ended in 23 Whoa. and uh, like all of his emails like ended in 23 and like all this stuff uh, or email addresses, you know, um, passwords all had at least the number 23 in them. Um, so, yeah, 23. I've been around a lot. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. This one. This one goes yeah, on man. to say the vibration of number two is very powerful, altering any number with which it appears. Number three carries with it a vibration that resonates joy, creativity, spiritual growth. When the two are combined, as Captain oh, Planet fuck. would would say, right, to form angel <laughs> number twenty three, you have the vibrations of service and cooperation combining with creativity and spiritual growth. So I see service and cooperation as being your work. You're going into the job force. Uh, and then creativity and spiritual growth as realizing that you have now uh, moved into the realm where you have to pay bills and you have uh, a recurring rent or uh, mortgage at that point. Man, it gets yeah. deep into the numbers. Hopefully not now. <laughs> <laughs> no one's working. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, man. Okay. So that's uh, that's that's the numerology with this. Is there's a, oh, I'm so glad you went back. I into know, that. and I came up, I, I came across that by accident, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was looking at the number um, twenty three, that film, and it came up as the uh, angel number. Oh, yeah, yeah. tight. Yes. Um, let's see. Oh, here's some here's some stats for you. Um, Jimmy World's twenty three is in the key of D major. Its duration is, as we said, 7 minutes, 23 seconds. Can't be a mistake. The Camelot, classic Camelot, 10B and 141 BPM. Um, let's see so, if there's any yeah, Weezer songs. Yeah, songs fall in line with that one? Uh, Thrice Red Sky, not familiar. Augustana, Sunday Best, not familiar. Boxcar Racer, I Feel So. Um, I guess that song's a little harder than that. Uh, Blink-22, Stay Together for the Kids. Mm, I can see that. Uh, Stray Light Run, Existentialism on Prom Night. Um, uh, Angels and Airways, Lifeline. That's a good song. I can see those being together. Oh, the first single uh, by The Format. That's an amazing song. Um, I'm looking for like a Weezer song. Oh, Death Cab for Cutie, Calf. Oh, that's um, good. It seems like they're the same artists from the last time that I, we went through this. Is this, is this on I feel I can't tell if this is like... It like goes off my cookies or something, but these are all like bands I like, so it's like right. <laughs> I can't tell. Right? Oh, they have a praise chorus in here. Ooh! Uh, it says Jimmy Eat World, Davey Von Bolin, a praise chorus. Um, that these are uh, recommended harmonic mixing songs. And then real quick, I did uh, because uh, big fan of Sadie Hawkins Pod, and recently listened to some Reliant K, um, and did not hate it. Um, however, 
So I did a quick uh, search for Reliant K on this TuneBat page, and a non-harmonic recommendation is uh, Who I Am Hates Who I've Been by Reliant K. Ah, yes. Um, That's a good one. And uh, I was cleaning the carpet in my parents' house when I listened to Reliant K, so I have no idea if I've even heard that song or not. Um, But uh, the songs I liked, I heard, so... Um, and the songs I heard I liked. <laughs> oh, Bruised is a non-harmonic recommendation, and Bruised is uh, by Jack's Mannequin is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my entire really? life. I'm going to mark that uh, one down because i got to hear that one. Oh, Love dude. Jack's Mannequin and Andrew McMahon. Yes, Andrew McMahon is one of the goats. So anyway, that's my Toon Bat uh, report <laughs> <laughs> on this track. I swear, though, the first um, three artists that you mentioned were the same three with a different Jimmy world track on tune back. Oh, it always is. Yeah. yeah I don't I can't tell if it goes off my cookies yeah. or what I, I usually try to turn all that shit off, we're, but we're going to get to the, yeah, you should go into an incognito window next time. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, what else, what else do you have, um, uh, for the, uh, the number 23, the song 23. Um, I would just move into the community. There is one thing I had flagged to read. And this yeah. was... I only have one thing from a community, and I didn't even go into Reddit or anything. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, mine came yeah. from there, and it was from uh, four months ago. Uh, Mr. Colty5. Amazing still, it seems, I'll be 23 with the winky side face. Oh. And... Oh, yes! I... I I saw this. I went. I showed this to yeah. Susie, and she really 100% was on board I with love this. this. I love this meme, because it reminds me of just... I don't know. This is when they're getting married in The Incredibles, right? Yes. When your wedding starts in five minutes, but you hear the intro to 23 start. And he goes, yeah, I've got time. And he's in the yep. tux in the car. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, man. I'm putting this with the uh, thing. I got to save this. Yeah. The top comment was Ella Bella Medellas. Um, I hate when people interrupt me when I'm listening to music, but it's the worst when people interrupt me when I'm when 23 is on excuse me i'm very clearly in a zone here <laughs> yes <laughs> come on yeah that's seven and a half um, minutes you have to uh you have to put aside for this this track totally because you have to listen to it in its entirety yeah yeah this is like a ubiquitous track but i was i'm surprised like i did a quick search on reddit and i saw that post and not much else i could have probably done some digging but this is definitely like one of those tracks that people talk about like i didn't go into chorus like i usually do um uh and uh and all that stuff but i'm sure everybody loves the song we fucking get it okay but this (laughs) um let me bring this up for the numbers right so Holly Bohr in the same oh, yeah. thread says, I listened to 23 the day of my 23rd birthday and the last day of being 23. And it was an experience. Um, mm. And there was also, I, I didn't mention this when we were on song meetings. There was, oh man, there was someone that I, I feel like I might know what you're going to yes. say. Is it about the guy who fell yes. in love with a girl? And, and he uh, had queued it up to yes to send to her at like on her twenty third birthday twenty three hours and twenty three seconds into her birthday he yes. sent her this and video. Where is it? What, I thought it was on that. And I think he had transcribed the song to like Spanish, Spanish or something. Yep. And uh, but what was weird is like wasn't there like no resolution? Like he no, didn't say that happened, no. she wrote him back or anything. Nope. Like yeah, and I. Did I? Where did, where did I, I see, see that? this? Because it's not in song meanings, right? What? I, 
Oh, you know I what? This remember had to be seeing on it. Reddit. Let me see. Was it on YouTube? No, this had to be. Oh, maybe it was. I think it was in a YouTube comment. All right. Well, we'll have to find it when we go back to it. Um, yeah, because it's definitely not in. Yeah, I want to credit that yeah, guy. Yeah, me too. We both read it in its entirety. Because, yeah, I, I get, like, it, it, it seems more melancholy than love, this song. But I do feel like it's a love song. Like, I always, like, the, the hope is there for a loving relationship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now, now I'm, now I'm, um, I want to look at it. We'll find it. It's got to be, it had to have been on YouTube. Why don't you keep looking and I'll tell you about okay, this. Go ahead. Um, the Jake T. O'Donnell series, um, from December, 2019, sing me something that I know Jimmy world's top 100 best songs. Part two, where do you think the song 23 lands on Jake T. O'Donnell's top 100 Jimmy world songs? Top 100. I'm going to guess. I'm going to venture a guess. It's in part two. It's in part two. Which is the top gotcha. 50. Um, let's see. What's 23 times 3? 2, 4, 6, 69? 69? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is top 50, so. Wait, oh, of the top. I thought you said 50 and above. No, oh. no, no, no. Part two is 50 and above to oh, one. Oh, then I would Sorry. say 46. Yeah, yeah. 46 i see no it is number one we fucking done it we got to his number one song um and i'll read his blurb about it um futures came out on october of my senior year of high school there was a girl i no, i'm just kidding it wouldn't be funny if he was the guy um and i translated this gave it to the girl yeah no um so he says uh i had spent most of these prior three years obsessing over everything jimmy world had put out to say i was anticipating great things would be an understatement futures was released the same day as game six of the american league championship series you know the series when the red sox came back from down three to nothing (laughs) to beat the yankees on their way to their first world series win in 86 years that one it was also released during an undefeated regular season for my regular for my high school football team so it was sort of a momentous time in my life anyway and my favorite band happened to release a new album right in the middle of it i will never forget going through that first listen of futures and getting to the end and hearing 23 for the first time i knew it would stick with me forever and i was right the epic album closer to end all epic album closers Jim Atkins, Tom Linton, Rick Birch, and Zach Lynn poured every ounce of their musicianship into the 7 minutes and 23 seconds that make up 23. Lyrically, it's a Jim classic. It's about someone hitting a crossroads in their life and realizing the right thing to do is move on, even though sticking it out would be easier. And those vocals, which often sound like Jim is the last man on earth, always make my hair stand up on end. Jim's vocals lay over a bed from the band that includes a feeling good... Uh, feeling guitar solo, Zach's perfect drumming, and so many dramatic, tear-inducing guitar hits. The key chord change on the final post-solo chorus is perhaps their single greatest, single most impressive musical touch, one that just makes the song. 23 was great without it. It became perhaps my favorite song because of its inclusion. I'll forever associate 23 with the aforementioned era in my life, colored by the euphoric celebration of the Red Sox to the deep sadness of that football season ending defeat in defeat after that last game i sat in my car overlooking the football field and blared 23 while i cried incessantly i then drove a half hour home in the comp in complete silence given that history you might be surprised at how much i love this song but at this point it's become part of my life just like the band has and it's 
a source of strength and inspiration for me through the intervening years. 23 has also been so important to me in my life that I used the I'm here, I'm now, I'm ready line from the chorus as part of my wedding vows. That's tight. Um, I look forward to listening to it and this band for as long as I can. Thanks for reading this. Man. So we made it to his number one. That was a long blurb, but I had to give it to Jake T. O'Donnell because we're going to be coming back to this list. Every song uh, that exists within his top 100 to see what he has to say about it. I don't even know the man's work, but I love that he wrote a blurb for every yeah, song. So, so well said. Um, wow. Yeah, man. Now, I remember watching some of that game at Mexicali on Ventura uh, <laughs> on a date with Susie because uh, we had just started dating maybe six months before the album came out. Uh, no, this was, when did this album come out? I wrote the date here, uh, October 19th, 2004. So we had almost been dating a year. Um, and I remember watching some of that world series game. I was not yet into baseball, so I didn't know much about it. Wow. But you can remember that. Yeah. So yeah. Did you find that guy that had, uh, sent that girl the video? No, it had to be on YouTube and we'll, I think we'll get through it. Um, when we go through yeah covers. maybe because if i start clicking on those it's going to start automatically playing them and and i don't want to <laughs> right 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 right, so. right 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 um uh oh and then sorry i got another thing we sort of started touching on it um <laughs> um a couple weeks ago uh when we started reading the uh the blurb from 23 uh for one of the bleed american tracks that we did um which was one of the ones that we did. So on the album notes, on the liner notes on the album um, of the deluxe edition, the band included little blurbs for the song. So we did include something from, uh, what was it? Uh, Oh, I guess it was just talking about how simple and direct Bleed American was. So I'll read this blurb again. Um, 23, the songs for Bleed American self-titled were very direct in presentation, partly... Uh, this was due to our limited budget and time. Partly it was a creative decision to make the most con- uh, concise and simple tunes we could. Simplifying them seemed to be an academic challenge, like a puzzle. Find the best and shortest route to pre- present the fullest and most effective song. This creative direction was in response to the material on our Clarity album, where we l- uh, uh, there we let things be looser and be more atmospheric. 23 was trying to use both approaches in the same song. This is the best example of where we were coming from working on the songs for futures we let the song go where we thought we wanted it to go or where we thought it wanted to go trying to give it enough dynamics to feel complete we decided to let the songs breathe and have space to explore themes it's okay to have the vocal entrance a few minutes into the song if you still get the feeling you're being led somewhere interesting um and that's why the intro is so long. And it made me wonder, like, oh, I wonder if this was a point of contention with Mark Trombino. He's like, well, obviously, you got to cut that intro, like, way down. And they're like, no, fuck you, dude. Um, because on the demo, do you have the demo of this song? I don't have the demo. Is it? Uh, oh, okay. Is it on YouTube? Uh, probably, yeah. Look it up real quick. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I was going to play it, and we're having technical difficulties, so now we're talking a different way than we were before, and I can't. I can play stuff, but you just won't hear gotcha. it. Gotcha. So I have it here. Jimmy um, World 23 demo version. And this is likely what they played Mark Trombino and or even worked with Trombino on. 
Like this would be where the drums come on on the record. So it's a little longer here. It was what? It's such a difference with no reverb. Yeah, right. On there, it just it it, <laughs> um, it draws out the lyrics so much better. But by and large, almost the same. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember I had to keep double taking. I was like, I mean, yes, it does sound different, but I mean, it sounds pretty much the same. Yeah. If I was listening to <laughs> um, that on, uh, if it was just playing in the background, I'd have to actually listen closely to try and catch that. Oh yeah, this is the demo version. Right. Like the drums aren't quite right. Yeah. There's no like, I feel like uh, the guitar on this track, the back, the background, like really fast strokey one. That's like probably like uh, 16th notes yeah. or whatever. It sounds like a mandolin to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is better. Um. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't see any proof that it's a mandolin. Let's see. I didn't see anybody working in a mandolin. Let's check what Discog says. Um, you know, we've been we've but, been duped uh, before. Um, there's times when I thought it was a completely different instrument when it's just been a, an electric guitar, and it's a ha- it just happens to be the type of electric guitar they're playing, the pedals that they're running through it, and uh, maybe with some some right. effects that they've done in post, but. You know, you can get these these amazing sounds out of just a regular guitar, but you try to over-engineer it and say, no, and that's an actual mandolin. Nah, it's probably just someone higher up on the neck, and the way that they're holding their pick with their hand makes it sound like a mandolin. 
Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It just doesn't seem. I like, always I don't play. Think, I, I always play bass with like a really player in there. <laughs> just bring one. Yeah, in it just for the, uh, seem like the band that would bring in a mandolin player for a track. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? The um, yeah, I don't see any mandolin, but you know, it's Discogs. I gotta click on like forty different versions yeah, of the uh, thing to find the goddamn crew. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, musicians are just the four of them. Not to say they didn't play mandolin, but um. <laughs> 23 nothing amazing about the number 23 on this discogs page um so yeah um a lot of comments about people's quality of their pressings um on discogs but that's about it i was hoping oh was this where i saw that guy like who sent that girl that thing (laughs) um so yeah that's the demo Uh, and i don't know if the demos are like the quote-unquote mark trombino sessions or not i feel like that always comes up um when futures is discussed, the Mark Trombino sessions. Was this before that? I have to look into whether out. the demos count as that. Yeah. Like, are the demos the Mark Trombino sessions? I'll I'll post it on the Discord. And, and did anybody come ever come with. back and let us know what the deal was with the instrumentals? It seemed like most people were kind no, of no. Somebody had the same theory that you did about the carry or that David did about uh, just making it for karaoke. Now, I, I, in that episode, you did bring up like, oh, it sounds like um, was this just before they recorded vocals? No, that is one hundred percent the master track. Right. That is the master track, just sans right. vocals. Okay. Um, almost like you know, like uh, um, producers will send their beats out and uh hip-hop artists will will, uh perform over the beats um but the beats are the beats you know what i mean so or like uh you know when we send stuff out for delivery for disney uh we get we send uh m&e uh uh stem and a music stem and a effect stem and a dialogue stem so it's all separate right um uh but fully mixed um uh, only sometimes do we send things that are non-dipped. So like uh, we'll get, so we'll, we'll deliver the music full. Uh, I think it's called full, fully featured mix or something mm-hmm. like that, where uh, you don't dip for dialogue because the French translation might be longer than the English oh. one. So uh, they want to dip the music themselves uh, and stuff like that. But uh, it is the full leaded wow. <laughs> track. Um, of the thing. Anyway, that was my. Uh, That's interesting. I didn't my, think uh, about that because yeah, you'd have the, you'd have the dipped audio underneath where you're trying to, yeah. to you know set it so it, it it sits there nice with the it, yeah all kinds of crazy stuff that, that that is easy to miss right. Um, well, that's because uh, that's not my profession, I, David. Right? That's 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 your, <laughs> that's your gig. Well, I'm sure you guys. I'm sure you have like a uh the 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 split version of uh. A teaching credentials or a web <laughs> interface <Yeah>. or yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that. Um, let's see. Anything else from the community that you no, had? No, no. Um, if you wanted to move into the covers, there are only a handful. Um, I was. I, I hate there to were... keep you up a little bit longer. I... Oh, I hate to keep you up a little longer. I have a couple more things sure. that I wanted sure. to mention before we moved into covers. Um, one of which was you... Um, uh, uh, dug a little deeper into the uh, album art um, for this record for Futures. So this was rated on the top 50 album arts of all time. Um, and actually, I don't know where it landed. And unfortunately, the permalink that I gave myself um, 
it's it doesn't expire. It's a clickbaity type website. It's gigwise.com. This lands at number 27 of uh, the t- of their top 50 album art album covers of all time. Um, so I'll read the little blurb uh, and then we can talk about the artist. And actually, now we know who the person in the photo is. Do we tell people now? Because it has come up in the community. Who is the guy on the cover of the Futures album? I mean, we can. And now we have the answer. Got, I mean, I've got the But we also up. may have. Okay, why don't you pull that up and I'll read this blurb. Uh, and actually, it might even say in here. It does. Are you talking <laughs> um, about with, with what, he, uh, what Christopher McCann replied to us with? I was going to say this gigwise blurb, but I'll read the gigwise blurb and then you read the Christopher yeah, McKinney email. A gigwise number 27, uh, Jimmy Eat World Futures 2004. There's something truly captivating about the stark black and white image Jimmy Eat World used to front their fifth studio album. A solitary figure, actually U.S. actor Ryan Al- uh, Alessio, stares ominously into a grimy looking phone box. He uh, maybe he's summoning up the courage to phone a porn line or do a prank call. Who knows what it is for certain is a stunning cover. So there it actually says in this article. However, this isn't um, I don't think this is selectable text. Yeah, it's burnt into the image. So um, that's why it doesn't come up. That's bad SEO. So tell us a little bit about what. um uh, who the artist is and what he's uh, written to us. The artist, you're talking about the photographer, correct? Correct. Yeah, so yes. Christopher McCann, I reached out to him on March 10th, and honestly, because we share an email account, I totally didn't know that this was that this was submitted within like three hours of me sending this. It's crazy. Oh, because I marked it as red. I was so excited. I know. I'm just now reading this. So, <laughs> wow, that takes me back a bit. The photo was indeed taken on the outskirts of Burning Man 2000. The guy in the photo is a friend of mine from high school. His name is Ryan Alosio, or Alessio. Uh, as to how I got hooked up with the band, it was probably the record company that hooked us up. Here's some other pictures from that adventure. And I believe this archive is available on his website you can go looking through the burning man um, correct i actually posted a tease in our story yeah. of the original film negative from his website not the original film negative but the original scan of the full image um and he had some text over it but um it was pretty cool yeah and ryan alosio has gone on to pr- uh, become a pretty good working actor he's uh uh in that I don't know what channel this is on. It might be on Netflix now, Lucifer. Mm. Um, and then he's in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and he was in an episode of House. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's done some stuff, some voice work, The Rise of Tomb Raider, Fallout 4, Battlefield Hardline, um, but has done quite a bit of work. And, uh, yeah, you can find him on Instagram and all that yeah, jazz. Yeah, and we're going to have Chris um, uh, Chris McCann on the pod because he is down to uh, down to chat with us. So we can get some yeah, more. That'll uh, be a good uh, yeah behind the conversation. scenes conversation. Um, so yeah, that was I think the extent of things I wanted to touch on before we moved on to covers. So now I believe I'm ready for okay. uh, covers. Or do you want to go to like live versions of the song at all from the band? Um, how different are the live versions? Because that's when, I, when they're not. Yeah, see when <laughs> they're when not I'm trying to do the covers. More and more, I try yeah. to find ones that are unique in their own way. And some of these, you know, it's a lot of the same intro. It's a they're long songs, they're long covers. So I've picked yeah. specific spots in in uh, those six tracks that um, yeah. that I ended up um, 
linking to uh, because they you know that's what makes them unique in those in those specific sections so if you wanted me to go through them there are yeah there's there's about six of them yeah okay so the adventure starts on soundcloud with uh lafranzine and why did i pick her oh lafranzine you know she let's see she has a very unique look about her um i don't know why i get the um Oh, who's the lead singer of the Cranberries, O'Rourke? Uh, she, she just passed yeah, away, right? Yeah, a very, yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it seems like a Celtic look to her. Uh, Frankie Dingle sure. is her name, and this is Frankie Dingle's. I'm going to jump ahead, though, to a minute six. Yeah, I can find that right here. I liked her voice, how it What are your thoughts on people taking like the vocal liberties of just trilling and going up and down and and all that? I'm good with it. I, 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 I'm good with it when it adds something to the song. But usually, I find that the only people that can pull that off are the people that perform it hundreds and hundreds of times. So, like when Jim does something new in a song, I'm way down with it, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? That does sound fucking awesome. When I hear it in this context, I'm I'm whelmed. Yeah, just <laughs> I thought I liked if she had a stronger voice. If this was re-recorded, and it does say Jimmy World Rough cover, so I understand that it was probably her. Maybe yeah. Hey, I don't blame her. Yeah, I thought I liked it. Of the other SoundCloud, there's a lot of other SoundCloud material that I just kind of washed away because it was either it was an exact rehashing of the track, or it just didn't it didn't have any that that unique. Um, business that i'm looking for je ne sais quoi how do you say so this next one is mark (laughs) beasley's if you haven't looked at this one i think this one deserves a watch so if you look for mark beasley 23 um i love the description that he put down here so it's clips of nothing slash everything this has been my favorite song for a long time oh geez and i turn 23 on sunday um this might be isn't it man we're never gonna find that guy's comment i don't know yeah right but the video is just clips of it looks like home movies that they've stitched together every five or six seconds they'll switch the clips to something else but uh i really liked how how their cover came out for sure last night that once we said goodbye He's got a very soft voice. No one else will know these lonely dreams. No one else will know that part of me. And I'm still driving away. Subtle harmony in there. I'm sorry every time. What are you hoping for? I'm here, I'm now. I think this is the I'm perfect song to go under these clips. Holding on, it doesn't have that. It's a good pop Don't vocal. give yeah. away the end. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think what it reminds me of. But yeah, I dig it. Yeah, me too. Mark Beasley, really cool. Like the sound that they're going with there. Now, like the sound of that. Yeah, one, two. So I do. I, I was mistaken. I only have five. So these other ones, I picked a specific spot within the song. Let me see what this one is. I can tell by the... No, I can't. I'm just going to jump into this one because I don't know. This was later into the song. Three minutes and 20 seconds into this one. I can't see the thumbnail. Oh, that one at the part where she does <laughs> just like Jack Black man <laughs> just get a vocalist <laughs> um, who is that is that, that Drowning was, in You yes. 23 yes that is Drowning okay in yeah I found them actually at the beginning go to the beginning they're sort of talking a little bit about the song while she's kind of noodling on the guitar alright let's see it. I think it starts with I. It's I felt for sure. And we're going to the first verse. Just things that the first line. Oh, okay. They're, they're figuring out where to come yeah. in. They aren't talking about like the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the back. But yeah, I wrote. It's kind of like Heim uh, or Haim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the harmonies. It's like a very Wilson Phillips harmony. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's dope. I wrote that one down. That was good. In fact, I think I saw. Anyway, nothing. I saw someone uh, uh, recommended. Um, uh, one of the Wilson daughters on the side as one of the recommendations. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. So they must have thought the same thing. The uh, the YouTube algorithm. So this one yeah. is just the two dudes. But what, what I like about this is that the guy um, that's accompanying the singer is playing uh, an electronic keyboard. And I love the sound of a Rhodes uh, keyboard or piano. And that's what you can hear. I, I've, I've queued it up to a minute and a half in. You can hear it come in. Now the song does have piano in, in the actual produced version, but it's just—it seems like an like, uh, either a stand-up or maybe I don't know if it's a grand piano, but it's like a—it's some kind of stand-up upright piano that they have in the production. But this one, I like the road sound. Guitarist or the pianist? Uh, the guitarist is, and Matt, I'm assuming his name is Adam Hodson. He's a, a channel. I, see. I don't know if the other guy, he's got a mic there, so he must harmonize later. 
like the sound that they had together for two guys sitting there jamming in there what looks like in one of their uh attics <laughs> seems like they're having fun man oh man i lost you a little bit but i can't wait to hear it when the pod comes out <laughs> all right i have one last <laughs> um one last cover and this one i loved her okay going back to the whole vocal oh, liberty thing, messed up man she starts this song off with a smile and it that draws you in, and then you hear when she gets comfortable with her voice. Everyone's up watching up Tiger King, in. not going to sleep um, and but taking she up really the internet. Takes it and makes it something um, unique. was the audio or the the microphone in this recording that didn't allow for it, it clipped a lot sure yeah but what her was her voice, name again because i heard i miss abby flynn abby flynn okay yeah if this was recorded with better equipment maybe i think she has a wonderful voice yeah very Haley williams yeah yeah and she plays the guitar at the same time man so she, she doesn't even need any accompaniment she's got nope <laughs> she's got it down so um, that was great. That was my favorite one was Abby Flynn. Yeah, that's uh, those good. Were, those were all the covers that I had. Um, is there anything that you wanted to share with me? Uh, duh, um, come on. Yeah, um, let me see what I got here. Okay, so I didn't watch Lost, so I couldn't even watch this. Did you watch Lost? Yeah, I did. Okay, so I don't know. Watch this and see if this is good. Okay, <laughs> Somebody made a fan-made music video with Lost clips. You'll have to describe it because I have no idea what's going on or who these people are. You never watched one episode? I watched the first 10 minutes and I was like, this is so incredibly bad. I can't keep watching this. <laughs> um, uh, but mostly because I'm a stickler for bad visual effects and it was so bad. I could not keep watching like that plane crash was like the worst thing I'd ever seen. I couldn't believe it made it to network television. They let um, the intern do that for sure. Yeah. Um, it gets so, more story driven, less special effect. I know that even the smoke monster in that was terrible. Oh my god! Yeah, there was a lot to it, but you look past that when you're when you're so engrossed in the story and sure. you're a few seasons in, you just look past all that crap. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have guilty pleasure stuff too. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, this was one that I fell into. Yeah, <laughs> I was lost. Sure. 
in this. You are locked. <laughs> so does it just play that song over these clips? Oh, great. I've lost Justin again. That's it. Oh, there we go. That's that's all it is, though. It's just it's just this over the clips, huh? What's the last clip? Nope. Let me see what the last one again is. This is tight. This is good content. Oh, there we go. Oh, it's Kate and Sawyer at the end. That's a pretty scene. Yeah, see, yeah, that takes me back. Uh, last thing I have, uh, I couldn't believe there was no passkey piano for this. Um, <sighs> me too. But I did find something that sounds just as bad. Um, so uh, everyone's an atheist. That's what I, you said that. And I thought that it said that at the end of the lost video, I was like, what a weird thing to say at the end. Like when it fades out and then just text on the screen, everyone's an atheist, <laughs> um, uh, by Kenmus. So yeah, uh, play a little bit of everyone's an atheist, which sounds like Paskey piano. And then we can, uh, uh, uh roll out of this technical jar, <laughs> technical monster of an episode. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, and it's sped up, too. Oh, man, it's all over the place. Yeah, I just don't know what he's doing. There's no vocals, so, I mean, you're not missing out on anything. This is pretty much what it is, but... play it on my end at the same time as you so we can listen to it but the benjamin foot uh called again and left us a voicemail so before we got out i figured maybe we could uh end on a high note uh, uh for this technical yeah let's see that's going to be in her voice yeah yes let me, let me, let me see let me if i can this up. send you a direct link let's see yeah I, I got to hear a bit of that when we were testing out the equipment earlier and uh <laughs> yeah from wednesday um here we go yeah from wednesday Right. So, yeah. Transcription was, says, hey, guys, this is Ben, Ben flat again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I swear this text is to or speech to text thing. All right. I'll play. Uh, I'll, I'll play Ben Foote's uh, message here. Here we go. Hey, guys, this is Ben Foote again. Just listen to get it faster. And thanks for playing my voice now. That was really, really cool. Um, I had another comment. I was listening to a praise course. And you guys were talking about how you didn't know that Davey sang that part on a praise course. And I didn't either, which was a really cool kind of factoid to learn and uh, props for, for getting them on the pod. But then you said something along the lines of, um, 
I don't know if this happens in other songs. Um, we need to look that up. Like if if, if there are cameos, kind of like Davy, the other Davy, right? <laughs> so you know, congratulations. And uh, and I immediately thought of the song Digits on Static Prevails. There is a middle section that I always thought was Tom singing. And it goes, it's all the same, just let me know. You never change without an echo. That's actually sung by Eric Richter. And I found that out, um, I don't know, 10 years ago when I was uh, when I was listening to it. And I really liked that part. And I was reading the liner notes. And, and it said, Eric Richter from Christie Front Drive sings that part. So when you do digits, don't forget to... Don't forget to mention that. The song rocks, by the way. Um, got a lot more uh, fun facts, you know, so I'll keep listening, keep calling in. All right. Be well. Wash your hands. <laughs> Wash your damn hands. Hey, guys, this is Ben. <laughs> That's so good. Um, oh, man. That is good. And I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 100%. And once we got to digits, we would have realized, oh, this is that one song. But uh, mystery solved for now. Yeah. Uh, Eric on the pod. Eric Richter. Drive. From Christy French Drive. Yeah, can't. Um, um, I don't know when we have that uh, digits queued up, but uh, we don't have a lot um, set in stone, so we may move that one up a little bit, right? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Maybe we should try to get Eric on the pod. Yeah. And by the <laughs> way, Ben Foote, did you see that in the uh, Facebook uh, group that he had posted a cover that he had done recently? Oh, no, I'm not on Facebook, so I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't, I can't remember. My goodness, I can't remember which track it was, but... Uh, anyway, go check it out. Uh, he has posted. Dude, we have so many bangers coming up. <laughs> like my all-time favorite song is two episodes away. Um, and then oh, I love that we're gonna get into some really weird stuff after that. Yeah, it's gonna get but, strange, um, man. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Thanks for calling in, Ben. Yeah. Um, and uh, I appreciate you uh, hitting us with that little factoid. And please do. Uh, 484-J-EAT-POD is how everybody can get a hold of us. And you can, you too can hear your voicemail on the show. Um, and uh, you know what? While we're here, and just because I want to keep Justin up all night, <laughs> um, I believe we also got uh, another review on uh, iTunes. Oh, yeah. Um, from... Oh, it's not loading for me because I turned off my cellular. It was from Danger Gavin. Uh, Let me bring and, that up. Uh, by the way, uh, he did, uh, Ben Foote did a cover of Blister, if you want to check that out. Oh, I love Blister. Yeah. That's my second favorite Jimmy yeah, World so song. So check it out. Ben Foote's on there. Did a great job. So let me see Don't if I doubt can it. find, if I can quickly find this. Uh, Jimmy Eatbot, let me see if I can find Danger Gavin. It's a well-oiled machine of an episode. I know, dude. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we're just getting back into it. Here we go. The best podcast. You don't even understand how epic David and Justin are as their number one pod fan. I can assure you that they're the best pod hosts ever. They love to dwell into many things Jimmy Eat World related and are always learning new things themselves. Danger Gavin, number one fan, if you didn't get that the first time. (laughs) <laughs> I love it, man. Hell yeah. So involved. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, thank you uh everybody for listening and calling and leaving uh yeah. ratings and reviews. Um I, and, and I think uh, it goes I, I guess it goes without saying, man, this is this is a great song. Um Oh, such a banger. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I absolutely love the song. I, I don't know if I would give it the number one spot. Um like Jake did, but uh, it, it's definitely way high up on my list. I can't be mad at it being somebody's number one, though. No, nah, man. 
Um, it's an emotional jam for sure. Um, and yeah, this episode took about 23 hours to record. So <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't tell, guys. Um, uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, I guess until next time, uh, I just want to remind everybody to be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. And wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Listeners, we have a special guest on this week's episode, Chris Ray McCann, the photographer for the Futures album. And uh, we were able to coordinate some time. Um, I know that a lot of us have have uh, much of that on our hands right now. But uh, I did want to thank Chris for being on here with us today. And uh, just to, we, you know, we we're very interested in this photo. We noticed that um, Jimmy World's albums seem to have they alternate between some kind of photo of like a person or a scene, and then they'll change to some image, either it's a graphically designed or if it's some other static image. So anytime there's an individual photo that was taken, we're, we're you know, kind of interested in, in getting this. Um, but before we get into that specific photo, did you want to take a moment and just introduce yourself and, and kind of explain to our listeners who you are? Uh, sure. I, um, I'm a freelance photographer in Los Angeles, California. Um, and I, I actually, I, I did the, the interior package photographs for Bleed American, uh, before the, the image, I think in question of the, the telephone booth was used for futures. Um, so I had worked with the band, uh, I actually pulled the file uh, so that I could look at the pictures again. Uh, the file, the date on the file says the May eighth, two thousand and one, Phoenix. Wow! So that was the first time that I met the band, um, and I spent uh, a weekend in Phoenix, and uh, and had a great time. They were absolutely lovely guys, like really, really, uh, uh, huh, just not a lot of ego and a hell of a lot of talent. Yeah, that's what we seem to um, to gather from as David and I go on with this. And just to give you kind of a backstory, David and I, um, Jimmy World seems to be our agreeable second favorite band. We have our you know the the unconditional love for Blink One Eighty Two on his part and Weezer for mine, but we've always both loved Jimmy World. And as we go on and talk to other people who've been involved with the band, they seem to say the same thing that these guys are genuine. They're very nice and, and a professional, and then, like you said, they're just filled with talent. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I, I come from uh, the Great Lakes, you know, I guess you could call it the Midwest, and there's a certain attitude that people have there that it's, 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 uh, it's a can-do attitude, I suppose, and, um, uh, well, just people are kind of righteous and hopeful. And uh, I, I remember uh, when I got off the plane and met the band for the first time, I just, I felt at home. I felt very comfortable. Yeah, that, that's, that's an amazing um, feeling and very, you don't know what to expect when you're going to meet these people who... Oh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, and, this, and you said you met them in 2001, so Bleed American, um, and, you're, and you said you had done the, the interior photography for that album. Um, I'm so bad with timing. Would this, if May, they released the the album in July. So you had known they were either in the middle of or mastering it at that point and you were just doing the photography for the for the interior the sleeve and all that? Correct. Yeah, they they had finished recording and and it, and it was in mastering and uh I didn't 
I didn't know the band. Uh, I, I, you know, this is a long time ago, but I, <laughs> they were with uh, DreamWorks, which then got bought by Interscope, and right. I had worked for both DreamWorks and Interscope independently before they became the same thing. So is that how and you got hooked up with them then? Yeah, just pretty one, much. One person inside uh, yeah. Interscope just said, "Hey, I got this guy I know." Well, it it um, they would there'd be art directors and PR people and and you know so the call would come down like hey we need some images and then the PR people would try to find someone they thought was right to go and and photograph them and uh, and I guess they thought that I was that person so that's how I got to go. So then you got to go there and you know I don't have the sleeve the the, the images in front of me but is it just um, is it sort of candid photos of them. Uh, in the studio, were there was there a lot of direction on your part, or or was it more of like you're just there to kind of capture what they're doing in the day? No, because the, they were already done recording, so there wasn't really um, uh, it wasn't I couldn't just be a fly on the wall. We had to to do something, and and band photographs always it's like why do you you have to find a reason to get you know four guys together in right. the same frame right. um, and, uh, and and to try to make it as, as compelling as possible, uh, we shot in their rehearsal space uh, quite a bit. And a rehearsal space is always a great place for photographs because A, it's small. Um, and, uh, and usually it has some character based on the band because they spend a lot of time there. Um, and so it's kind of like when people say, well, hey, where should we shoot? I ask, do you have a rehearsal space? And if they say yes, that's always where I start. Yeah. And that's where all the all of the photos were done there exclusively in that you, rehearsal space. You know, I don't I don't have the, the album package in front of me, but I have my my files, my contact sheets, and I'm looking at them. And, and some of them were taken in the rehearsal space. But then I remember that they uh, they were really interested in what a boom was happening in and around Phoenix vis-a-vis construction. <laughs> and they're like, this is like the fastest, like this is messed up. Like there's so much construction happening here that we drove around looking for construction sites that we could just kind of sneak into uh-huh. and shoot. So a lot of the photographs are it like framed out buildings and, uh, you know, concrete walls and, um, and the rehearsal space. And then we went out for drinks that night someplace. I don't remember where. Somewhere out in Phoenix, there's um, yeah we were yeah, it would have been we were talking about um, so in in 23 they talk about Ninth and Ash and and it's um, it's an oyster bar in Tempe and I, I'm I think Tempe Phoenix is sort of like the the all encompassing like kind of like a Los Angeles right and and I imagine that Tempe you know again I'm not familiar with Arizona because we're we're West Coast but um, we always we were talking about how much that the band is associated with this oyster bar because they used to do open mic nights on Tuesdays there. So. I would bet that's where we went. Amazing. Because <laughs> no one, so no one had a problem with me taking photographs. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, you show up and you meet the band and like, okay, like we have to make some pictures and, and what are we going to do and how's that going to work out best? So I don't know my way around. Where should we go? Okay, so then they, they liked you enough to where... Then, then that brings us to the... The Futures album, how did you, because I was looking at the link that you sent me with your archives, and it's, it looks like you have just sort of a, an album that you created for that, that event, the 2000 Burning Man. Um, did you have those photos shot before or after, or, or what was the whole interaction with Jimmy World when, 
when that came up. We have one, one of our users, um, or our, our, uh, the people that are in our Discord, his name is uh, Azathoa. I think that's how you would say it. That's what his username okay. is. But he says, what were you told for capturing the photo, and was there any direction on the mood? No, I wasn't told anything, and it had nothing to do with... I, I didn't even know Jimmy World when I did this. This was um, in... Uh, uh, this would have been... No, wait, I did. I had known them because I shot this... Wait, no, 2000. No, I shot this before. I shot this in 2000 because I went right. to Burning Man twice. The first time I went was on assignment for a magazine in 1999. And uh, that was... Well, it was really strange. It's difficult to cover Burning Man as an assignment. I, I was supposed to meet up with a writer, but there was no cell phone reception there. So I, I never found the writer that I was supposed to hook up with. <laughs> <laughs> so I wandered around and did did the best I could, and and uh, and then the next year uh, I was invited to go back with some friends, and I was excited to not be sort of tasked with with telling a story about it, and I could just tell my own story, and so I was there with some friends, and uh, I was just you know having fun, and I was taking pictures, and 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 I was out one night with a friend of mine, and we wandered past that lonely phone booth and and I said hey uh just can you stand there for a second for scale and uh I, I think I only shot one frame and then we moved on to other things but uh that probably ended up um I'm sure that's how they saw it on my website and um when they saw it on my website they said hey can we use this and I said yeah I have no problem with that whatsoever go for it oh yeah you're right there is only that one frame I was looking at the archives um so you know, obviously your photo is going to be in a, in what a four by three format, whatever it is. So they just, they just cropped this to fit. They just cropped it. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just like, just imagine black on either side of it. Right. With lights in the distance. Cause it's very much, very much on the edge of Burning Man. Um, now I didn't, I didn't look into this beforehand. I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I'm going to leave this to you. I probably could have researched this, but, um, so at the beginning of this whole set, you have, it says FM 21 to 76 subsection two individual and group survival. And it looks like you have little <laughs> bits on every photo. What is that from? It's from a FM stands for field manual. And I, <sighs> I found a, 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 a U.S. Army field manual on survival uh -huh. at an Army Navy surplus store that I was buying stuff to go to Burning Man with and I thought well this is kind of funny and I just I bought the field manual and then I used the text to illustrate the photographs yeah which I thought is so artistic so creative <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it seemed funny and convenient at the time right so, yeah. right I mean you look back on it now and would you do anything like that these days wow um uh yeah Actually, I, I, I would. Um, uh, thank God I haven't lost my sense of humor or irony. <laughs> um, right. So uh, like it's like it's it's um, I think that when you're being creative, it's important to sort of uh, encourage your own playfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the best stuff comes from that. Well, yeah, because that, that's when know. you sort of turn off trying to make something work and then something works because it's just natural and kind of inside yes. you at, at, at some point. Use the force, Luke. Right? <laughs> yeah, see, um, David would love that. He, he likes the, uh, the Star Wars <laughs> saga. <laughs> um, there was another... Oh, so, you know what? Then that answers my next question from Dizzy Angela. Did you know the album was going to be called Future? So if you took this a year before, clearly you had no idea what, what um, a, a, anything None. was going to be called. No. 
Now that um, so about that phone booth, we were looking. I was looking at that phone booth, and it's what it's called something like the phone booth to God or something like that. Um, it looked, and it might have been the lens that you used, but that phone booth did look like it was out in the middle of nowhere. It is. Well, Burning Man is in the middle of oh, nowhere. Oh, yeah, that, and that one was in Arizona, right? And Black this is Rock. in the middle. This is at the edge of the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this thing was, it, and it's lit up too, right? So it's got power, and, and if you pick up the phone, somebody answers. Uh, no, there, there was no one on the other end oh, okay. of the line. Uh, but there was, there was power there. And, and actually, I don't even know, now that I think about it, I don't even know where the, oh, here come the gardeners. Um, <laughs> but I don't, know where the, I don't know where the power source came from. Probably, my guess would be like a car battery buried in the right. sand. Because this is really, really, really far off the grid. And like any lights that you see in the background are also off the grid. Like, I don't know how much you know about Burning Man or not, but it's like, there's nothing there, and I mean nothing. And then... It becomes a city of, uh, I don't even know how many people went last year, but probably twice as many as were there in 2000. But yeah, like maybe 60,000 people, and they, they come and they build this stuff. They have uh, installations and art exhibits and performance pieces, and everybody goes a little bit nuts. Uh, and then they tear it all down, and the main idea is to leave no trace. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, that, that aspect that, as if they were never there. Um, was Correct. the most astounding fact that I had learned about Burning Man. Uh, the story with me and Burning Man, I've never been, but uh, my my good friend Ken Powers, when we were at CSUN, um, he had mentioned it as a joke, and this was in 2003 or four. so there was, you know, this had been four or five years after, after you had gone there, but he said Burning Man, and I thought he, he said Bernie Man, like Bernie, and I thought <laughs> it was a person, and they did something, but then I realized, no, there's a big, huge... Um, Essentially, you know, a man made of sticks that at the end they burn, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, years well, later, maybe then, maybe more than sticks. The it's it's pretty, like it's pretty big. Pallets um, and stuff, right? You ever see the movie Apocalypse Now? No, I have not. I haven't. I oh. have. David had said, "Hey, this is one of the top films you've got to see." So, no, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, there's there's a scene in the movie Apocalypse Now at the place they call the Dolong Bridge that that was kind of the closest I could come to summing it up when I first arrived there. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like, I have no. There's nothing in my life that had prepared me for it before. It was a. It's, it's a. It was. I have no idea what it's like now. So right. I'm yeah. So you to, went in ninety nine, you know. two thousand. So you ha- you haven't been since and have no desire to go back no. then. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't say that I don't have a desire to go back. It's that there are other things that I really need to do. Yeah. <laughs> I've, you know, like I, I've been there and, and I had a really great time and I have great memories and I have some great photographs. So um, I'm very grateful for it. Uh, but um, it's, uh, it's kind of like a cross between like a rave and a POW camp. <laughs> Just because of the distance and, and the, the level of, uh, you know, I guess yeah, it's, cleanliness. It's yeah, well, I mean, it's it's you, you really have to want to be there, um, and 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 that alone uh, helps kind of curate the experience because right. you have to go through much so much to just get there that most of the people who are there are happy to be there, and and there's a camaraderie that you have with people who are there just because they showed up. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's you don't even address that once you're there. You both know that that you have driven so far that that is sort of like that un, unsaid um, foundational, I don't know. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, like it's it's several hours outside of like nearest town is Reno, mm-hmm. and it's hours outside of Reno. And as you're driving up the the highway to get there, you'll you'll see people uh, you know passing you, or you'll be passing people who are in their weird art cars right. or like have trucks laden with thunder domes, and like you get the little brother nod because the the further away you get from Reno. Uh, the, the less people you encounter on the road except for other people who are going there. Um, that's, yeah, that's amazing. There is, um, so one of, one of my students, um, I, I, teach, I teach adults actually, and uh, one of my students is, um, you can check her out online, her name is Laser Woman with a Z, and she uh-huh. has gone to Burning Man, and I don't know if it's always at Black Rock, but I was looking through your archive of photos at that one, and there's a few photos, so she hand makes all of her outfits and does that whole thing. And she goes there for the entire period of time, but she has people take her photos. And I, you know, I didn't see any of her of her in your photos, but um, but she's very much into that whole scene of dressing up and becoming this this laser woman um, character that she's created. And uh, and the photos that I saw that you took looked very very similar to the backdrop that she has on some of the artwork that she's done in my class. Um, and you know she does. She, she's constantly working on personal projects that involve either, you know, things that she's done with Burning Man or stuff that she's done for herself. With I mean, she's very much into like rebuilding cars, the laser mobile, that kind of thing. So it's like very. She's very unique uh, in that sense. But uh, looking at your pictures, it reminded me of the photos that she's brought in to work on. Um, but again, I don't know if, if that changes if it's always at Black Rock. No, it's 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 always it's always in the same place. It's okay. the nearest town is a place called Gerlock, uh, and um, so yeah, Gerlock, Nevada. Yeah, see, that sounds and, made up. You know, that's like it's like no. someone heard Turlock, <laughs> and then they're like Lazar Gerlock Ger, with a G. Gerlock. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the only place that you can get gas or canned goods, and I don't even know how much they charge for gas these days, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then you know it's like it's um uh it's a it's a it's a it's a cast of characters it's a freak show it's a it's a big exposition and uh and it happens out in the middle of nowhere um so i was looking at your bio too and reading through it and have you moved away from band photography then moved more into do you what do you do more now do you do a lot of videography still uh, I don't work for the, the the music industry has changed a great deal since uh, these albums were produced, uh, and the the world of photography has changed a great deal as well. Uh, I um, I still work with music, but I work with uh, artists that I'm I'm friends with for the most part because there's uh, you do it for the love, right. and so. Uh, I like to work with people who I feel comfortable with and, and who inspire me. And uh, I don't really work for the record companies on a, like, hey, there's a band you've never heard of. We're sending over an album for you to listen to. And, uh, and, and then you're going to get on a plane the day after tomorrow and go and photograph them. That doesn't really happen yeah. much anymore for me. But um, for artists that I know and like, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in touch with them. They are friends of mine. When they have photographic needs, they call me. And I'm sure a lot of them live in this area. I mean, LA is such a hotbed for, for, for artists, creatives. That that whole mindset. Um, there's a lot it's, of people. It's a. It's it's a. Um, 
it's a great place to be a musician uh, because there's space. Um, it's it's really difficult to be a musician without a place to make noise, without annoying other people. And uh, Los Angeles has the the benefit of space. Like you can you can have a, a little bungalow and you can soundproof it, and and your neighbors aren't going to call the cops on you. Right. And there's a great community of 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 other musicians and other artists that there's you know there are opportunities to play to open for other bands to play on other people's albums to sit in as a sessions player it's it's uh um i think it's it's one of the most uh conducive environments to creativity that america has to offer right and it's got great weather to boot right absolutely (laughs) well most of the time yeah, most of the time. I mean, y- we complain. Maybe we just take it for granted. And then the one week that it rains, we go, oh, man, I was planning on going you know, to Santa Barbara this weekend. But it just happens to rain. Well, you know, oh shucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's always next weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've noticed that with photography. I, I did. Um, so I used to do weddings. And I had, uh, there was a lead photographer that I would shoot with. Um, but I realized that she's actually worked herself out of that business because it, the, the industry has changed for her too. And the, the friends of mine that are in LA that have, that are still doing photography or maybe even some videography on the side have sort of changed how they're operating their business because it has to be, you know, it's, it's completely entrepreneurial. You have to really take initiative and make yourself known the work isn't going to come find you. Um, so I'm sure you have to make it interesting for you. So it's not, doesn't feel like you're slogging through your job every day week well absolutely it's it's in, it's in it's very important to kind of um uh to to feed the part of you that is passionate about what it is that you're doing you can't starve it you can't ignore it for too long otherwise it it uh uh it can eat away at you yeah. or it can you can kind of lose your way and feel like why why am i doing this anymore so the Doing things like, um, I don't know, going to Burning Man or saying yes to something you might not normally say yes to uh, or um, even just making a conscious effort to, to try to look at the world in a different way. That could even just be like, I'm just going to go outside with a lens that I hate and, <laughs> and see how and see how I approach the world with this. I never liked this lens. I don't know why I have it, but let's see how that works. And, um, you know, sometimes it can be as as simple as uh, switching the eye that you use to take photographs with. Because most of us have a dominant eye, right? Uh, which feeds to uh, one side of our brain. You know, if you, if you shoot with your uh, left eye, it goes to your right brain. If you shoot with your right eye, it goes to your left brain. And if you're looking for a way to dramatically change things, switch the eye that you're shooting with and then take a moment to look at the images that you've made and see how they're different from the ones you make with your other eye because you're using a different part of your brain. Right, and isn't, doesn't it go that the right side of your brain, which would control the left, let, let's say your left hand, the right side would be the more creative side, the left side would be more analytical. Yeah, I'm not really a neurologist. Yeah, but I, I think, me neither. I just think I thought I there think, was a, a I, general. That's what I've been told. <laughs> that's what I've been told. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever changed it. I, I, I think, you know, I'm trying to figure it out in my head right now. I think that I go straight with my right eye. Um, which maybe I've been doing it wrong all these years, and that's why. <laughs> well, no, there's no, there's no right, there's no right or wrong. It's just different. Yeah. And and sometimes you know a little difference can can 
give you a sharp relief uh, to 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 examine what it is you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually it's profound. I never do you have anything that you put online like these these uh these recommendations, suggestions, things that you try um do you openly share those on any kind of platform or anything like YouTube or Instagram? Not really. Um uh but they, you know, like anyone who asks, I'm yeah. happy. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't codified these into into lessons or, you know, and 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 I certainly ha- I haven't uh yeah, I don't. I don't have like a, a lesson plan readily available. <laughs> but like I've, I've been, you know, I've been a mentor to a number of people, and I continue to be a mentor to people. And these are the things that I share. These are the things that I've learned along the way, and, and sometimes they can be really helpful. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you another one. If you're photographing yeah. someone, uh-huh. if you're photographing somebody who uh, who isn't who either isn't used to being photographed or is particularly vain. Um, uh, you know, I started taking pictures when there was no digital photography, so you only had film to work with. And one of the tricks that I learned was to, I would do a shoot with someone and I would present them, say, a couple of days later with half a dozen prints uh, and for their perusal, like, well, you know, do you like any one of these? But if the person was a little difficult or shy or uncertain, I would flip the negative for one of them and invariably, that's the one they would pick. Really? Yeah. Because they're not able to process what it actually looks like then? No, because that's how they see themselves in the mirror. Oh, I see what you're saying. You flip it that way. I thought yeah. you meant actually put it back to being. No, no, no. no. I just like, turn the, like, flip the negative upside down so they're seeing what they see in the mirror. And then if you, you have a little chuckle and you say, I, I know why you picked that one. And then they <laughs> ask why. And then you tell them. And then they have a, you know a little bit of a uh, an aha moment and then maybe hopefully they're able to look at the other photographs of themselves a little bit more objectively it's 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 akin to sort of like nobody likes the sound of their own voice oh absolutely you know yeah. so uh because you, you you don't hear it the way other people hear it and you don't see yourself the way other people see you and uh and sometimes it, it, it's helpful to have a little nudge to help you um to help you see yourself differently Right. And it also helps when you have a nicer, um, longer lens that, that does that nice compression and makes you look at, at I don't know, just not so, um, I, I know, I know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're shooting with whatever lens you have given the space that you're working with, but I know that with the longer lenses, it definitely results, it can result in a more flattering image. But again, you're probably, um, I don't know if you would consider yourself more of a, a candid photographer, I mean, but you have to kind of work with what you've got in your bag, and then also it, it, the yeah, the a, subject it's, you're shooting. It's a toolbox. Is, yeah, it's a toolbox. And and at the end of the, at the beginning of the day, and at the end of the day, I'm a storyteller. That's that's what I do. And um, so I, I pick the right tool for the job, or at least I hope I do. Right. <laughs> um, now I have a question. Do you do you shoot Canon or Nikon, or neither? Um, no. It's well. It, it's it's um wow it's uh, yeah i shoot with canon cameras but uh it, it didn't really matter as much before things became digital and now it matters a great deal more because uh the uh you know it's like all manual cameras are the same you have mm-hmm. shutter speeds and apertures and uh and then you have film stock uh to contend with 
But when it comes to digital photography, then you have uh, a programming language that the cameras have because they're computers. Right. So it's then it then it becomes a little bit more of a thing because you you are you commit to to learning the coding language of a certain platform so that you spend less time trying to figure out how to change things and more time shooting uh like right now if i if i pick up a nikon digital camera uh like i can obviously make it work but if i it's it's frustrating because i feel like i'm speaking a language that i'm not familiar with Right, like if you were to hop onto a Windows machine, if you're used to working on Mac, I mean, they're essentially they do the same thing, but the interface is so different that you're sitting absolutely, with, yeah. Okay, so you just made that decision to stick with Canon from early on. Well, yeah, because I'm lazy and I like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. I've worked with, you know, the the people that I've that I've shot with who do use Nikon. They you know, you, have, you have to love the product you're shooting with, so they'll just they'll they'll live and die by Nikon. Um, just as I would with Canon. I mean, you and I could probably get the job done with the other type, like you said, but you're just so comfortable with that ecosystem that that's why you stick with it. And then you just become yeah, well, a fanboy. You, you want to do more than get the job done. You, you, you want to be able to, to express yourself and to, to respond uh, to the moment. Because uh, uh, if you don't, the moment's gone. And the last thing you want to be doing is be like, wait. Hunting, like, yeah. No, that's not, well, I'm looking for the other. No, it's not the menu. I, damn it. What? Oh. <laughs> You know, no. And before you just, that, you, you want your shots. You want to be. You want to be in the zone. Absolutely. Um, now to bring this back around. Uh, so it sounds like you didn't. Did you? Did you know who the band was then? Before. I did not. You did not. So didn't know. Um, have you since become a fan of theirs at all? You, um. Yes, I have. Uh, because of. Um, I've worked a lot with a number of other bands and, and one of the other bands that I, I, I've done a lot of work with is Maroon 5. I, I toured with them for uh, a, a couple of years, made a book with them. Um, and uh, one of the guys on the crew, this guy named Mikey Cologne, he was a drum tech for uh, Jimmy Eat World. And then he came on and started working with the, the Maroon 5 crew. And then we we met when he came he joined the crew and and he was really effusive he said oh you took that photograph and i was like yeah <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah i remember doing that but like mike cologne is is a is a a really fantastic guy who's a great judge of character and he just kept going on and on and on about how much he enjoyed working with jimmy world what great guys they were and um and that made me kind of go back and start listening to the music again uh, because I had a great experience, but I moved on, and and there were other things that I was doing, and and uh, Mike right. brought me back to it again, and and uh, that's I think where my real appreciation comes from. So, do you have then a? Could you say you have a favorite album? I do not. Uh, maybe do not. A, like a, a a favorite song then, perhaps. Not not really. No, you no, just like them. No, no like I just music. I just I just like it. You yeah, know, you don't like have it, to. Like I, I put it on, and it you know it it, it does me right. Right. Yeah, they are they are definitely a uh, a band. I don't know if you've listened to their um their latest album, but they are a band that has been consistently putting together um solid albums. That's how that's how I would I would put it is that they No, are, solid solid is a great word for it. I think that that's maybe why I don't have anything like a particular track that I'm drawn to more than others. Like yeah. at certain times like maybe something has is feels a little bit more compelling than others, but that's just the nature of the day. 
so Chris, is there anything else that you wanted to say um, regarding the, the band or, or our conversation, anything like that? Uh, well, I would say, I would say with the, with the band, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, their evidence of the fact that, (laughs) their evidence that you don't have to be an asshole to, uh, to succeed and, and to, and to have a resonance with other people. They are, they are the, the, they are the triumph of the reasonable they are uh, they are the nice guys finishing last or first in this case. Um, like they're they're salt of the earth and uh, they've got great rhythm. They've got great harmony, and uh, and they've got a great attitude. Um, very well said. I, I think I've never heard the band described that way, but it is so true. Um, with just you know just describing how genuine they are, but in much nicer. Uh, words, <laughs> you know, like they would. I could just picture Jim smiling, you know, if, if as he hears that, and not well, like and, an over. And, and no, it's it's well deserved. Yeah. It's well deserved. Yeah, so we're hoping that they they continue, you know, in the next few years, if they if they stay on their track of releasing albums every three years, you know, I, I'm still going to be on board, and um, who knows, maybe one day they uh, they outpace Weezer and and uh, take them for the first spot in my heart for <laughs> for a favorite <laughs> album or favorite artist. Well, they're great guys, and they deserve everything that they have achieved, and then some. Yeah. Well, Chris Ray McCann, I appreciate your time today. Um, this was very timely because this was for our 23, which is the biggest. It seems to be one of the, um, if not the, uh, most well-loved Jimmy Eat World songs. Um, it, it's, an, it's an album closer uh, for futures, it's it's a big song. You know, there's other stuff like sweetness and and uh, other tracks that people love, but this one just seems to have this uh, this unconditional love from uh, the, a lot of the listeners. So, look, this was very timely. I appreciate you being on here, and um, you know, if you ever want to come on again, you're absolutely welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. <laughs>